listening to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Fourteen twenty-six. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be not my disciples. That's it. I'm going to read it again so that we can soak it in. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. <laughs> Isn't it funny how if I don't give context to that, like what it actually feels like Jesus is trying to communicate to the disciples. It, that's a lot of what dealing with scripture is about, is the first rule of Bible interpretation is you have to deal with the text inside the context. The second rule is through the lens of Jesus, and I'm not going to get on those rules this morning, but um, you have to deal with the scripture inside of context. And so Jesus, in this whole chapter, in Luke 14, in the whole second part of this chapter, sorry, he is dealing with his disciples on what it means to be a disciple. And he is throwing these grenades, and I love it. <laughs> I love when people just start setting it off. I love when people see what reaction they can get out of people. One of, I was thinking about this, and we were talking about this in a leadership meeting. There's a guy that I follow very closely. He's a former Navy SEAL. His name's Jocko. He tells a story, and he says, when I was in the heat of war in Ramadi in 2006, if something wasn't popping off, I would go take an American flag and run it up the flagpole to get something popping off. And so that's what Jesus was doing here. He was getting it popping off. He was seeing who's committed to following me and who's not. And if you just read that text on the surface, what it looks like is you need to hate everybody that you love if you want to follow me. That's really not what Jesus was trying to communicate at all, right? What, like, hate literally your mother, your father, your wife, your sisters, your brothers, your aunts, your uncles. Hate everybody, even yourself, and then you're worthy of following me, right? And if we don't deal with that inside the appropriate context, we will get all sorts of jacked up. We'll make some Pentecostal radical thing out of it. It's like, I hate everyone, and I'm following Jesus, right? And that's not the point. We tend to do that in the Pentecostal world. We take scripture entirely out of context and, and, and promote our radical obedience to Jesus through it, which is weird, but whatever. <laughs> um, Jesus was not trying to communicate at all that you need to hate all of these people. That's not what he was trying to communicate. He wasn't even trying to communicate that you have to dislike these people. He was trying to communicate that if you're going to follow me, and being a disciple simply means to follow. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, then you are going to find yourself in places that are unnatural, that are uncomfortable, that are not what you're used to. If you're going to be my disciple and you're going to follow me, you are going to find yourself in the midst of uncomfortable situations. Are you with me this morning? He wasn't, and, and it's not our weird, uncomfortable situations that we like to say. It's not listening to bad music that we've given up. That's not what he's talking about. If you want, what he was overly trying to communicate, you're going to find yourself in uncomfortable situations. You're going to find yourself in places that it comes unnatural for you to be. And what he was trying to teach them is that being a disciple is not standing up like the Pharisees have stood up for the past, however long they have stood up and said, this is who God is. That's not being a disciple. Being a disciple is entering in with Jesus into the world where he is found. It is entering into human suffering and chaos with Jesus. And that is uncomfortable. And it does come unnatural. But that is what being a disciple is about. Being a disciple is not about you having this list of things that you're radical about and declaring them and forcing them onto everybody else. That's not what being a disciple is about. Being Following Jesus means that we are going to be found in the places that Jesus is also found. 
And when I read the scriptures and when I immerse myself into the text, I can only find Jesus being present next to the heart of the Father and in the midst of human suffering and brokenness. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means that I am next to God's heart in the middle of human brokenness. Following Jesus, for some reason, in the American church, we have made following Jesus all sorts of things that it's not. We've made following Jesus not drinking. We've made following Jesus not watching a movie that people are uncomfortable with watching. We've made following Jesus being radical about issues that we are only radical about that God isn't even radical about. It's like, it's weird. It's like the most odd thing in the world. It's like, if I want to know how to be a disciple, I can look no further than Jesus. Because God himself would never require something of us that he was not willing to do. And so if I want to learn how to be a disciple, I need to look to the life of Jesus. And when I look to the life of Jesus, I don't see him making the laundry list of everybody's issues and saying, this is what you can't do, this is what you're not allowed to do, not allowed to do that on Tuesday, not allowed on Saturday, can't go out with him, can't go out with her, can't do this, can't do that. That's not what being a disciple is about. Jesus came and he showed us what being a disciple really consisted of. It was being in perfect communion with the Father while being present among brokenness. It was being in perfect communion with the Father while being present in the midst of human brokenness. And what we've taught discipleship to be is, is that you can't be in the presence of the Father and in human brokenness. What we've taught is, is that we will, we, we've actually taught that we'll follow Jesus anywhere, at any time, unless it's offensive to us. We'll follow Jesus into church, but we won't follow him into a bar. We'll follow Jesus into um, a small group, and we'll follow Jesus on the mission field, and we'll follow Jesus where we feel like that Christians are supposed to follow Jesus, but we won't find him, we won't follow him to the well where the woman has five husbands and living with a guy that she's not even married to now. We won't follow him to the place where the woman is caught in the act of adultery. We have made following Jesus about Jesus following us. We have made following Jesus about Jesus coming into our, our world and getting comfortable with our preferences and our uh, ways of living our life. And that's not following Jesus. Following Jesus... When, he got ready, when Jesus got ready to talk about what it meant to follow him, he always used language that was offensive and uncomfortable to people because he knew that where I'm taking you and where I'm calling you to go will be offensive and it will get uncomfortable. And so we've made following Jesus a lot of times like intermittent fasting. Right? We really have. Think about it. I'm going to fast from 12 to 12. I'm going to go in my prayer closet from one to two. And when I get out of my prayer closet, I'll be ready to show the world Jesus. And Jesus didn't even show himself to the world like that. Jesus did life in perfect communion. If you were always in communion, you never leave the secret place. And we've made discipleship about going and have this regimented structure, prayer time. And, and if you don't have this, and if you don't read your Bible for an hour a day, I was told when I first got saved that if I didn't read six chapters a day, it didn't count. <laughs> don't know why it was the number six, but it was just like, if you're not reading at least six chapters a day, you, you don't love God. And I was like, golly. And so me, in, in my innocence, I'm like, I got to be sure I get my six chapters in, baby, because I love God. And so I'm like, I'm like what books have six chapters? <laughs> and so I'm like, if I, if I get in a bind, I'll just read that book real quick. You know, let's go revisit that one. 
We've made following Jesus about things that we do all the time, like going into prayer and we go into reading our Bible, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually how you get close to the heart of the Father. The point is that you never come out of that place. The point is is that you function and live your life from a place of communion. You don't enter into a place of... This is not the Old Testament anymore. right? We don't enter into a place of communion. Father, I thank you. God, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Now lead me not in the path of sinners. Going out. Right, And it's like that just got you through to know how to deal with all the people that you don't really want to deal with. That just got you through enough so that you don't have to go get in the midst of somebody's brokenness. That just got you through enough so that, so that you can get your Jesus fix for the day. Right, That is the most obnoxious statement in the world. It's like, I just got my fix for the day. It's like, you didn't go get your nails done. Like... It, like spending time with God is not going to get pampered up to go out into the world so that you can reflect and tell them how bad they are and how good it is with, with being in the presence of Jesus. That's not what living, that's not what being a disciple and following Jesus is about. Being a disciple is a way of being. It is a way of being. And when Jesus got ready to start his ministry, I believe... I was probably three months saved when I read this, and I'll never forget this. I was studying uh, when Jesus gets baptized, and he goes into the wilderness. And in, in, in the Matthew Henry, Henry commentary, and I don't recommend buying his commentary, so don't, don't say that I'm recommending it. I don't recommend it. In the Matthew Henry, Henry commentary, he writes that Jesus in the wilderness was getting next to the heart of the Father. He was being tempted by the devil and it drove him into deeper communion because he believed what God said about him at his baptism. This is my beloved son in, which I'm, in whom I'm well pleased. And I love what John's gospel says. It says, when the Spirit came and descended on Jesus, all the other gospels, all the other gospels said that the Spirit came out of the, st- out of the sky and rested on Jesus. John's gospel said the Spirit came as a dove out of the sky and remained on Jesus. There's a difference between, we, we have viewed, even, even the writers of the New Testament still viewed God in a way that he comes to rest and then leaves. And being a disciple is not Jesus coming to rest, him getting tired of you and leaving. That's not what it is. It's you remaining in Him, in Him in you. And Him in you is the hope of the world. Christ, the hope of glory in you, is the hope of the world. Right? You manifesting the presence of God, you manifesting the image of Jesus onto the world is the hope of the world. That is the hope of the world. And so when we talk about discipleship, we most of the time we don't talk about it as a way of being. We talk about it as a way of doing, which is not discipleship. It's not following Jesus. Following Jesus is you simply being in communion with the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what following Jesus is about. I think when Jesus got ready to give an example of what it meant to be in communion with, with the Father. When he got ready to give that example, he literally comes out of the wilderness in which Matthew Henry said that was his place of communion with God as an earthly man. And when he comes out of communion with God, you then find him immersing himself into suffering and chaos. You then find Jesus getting in the mess and the life that happens to people all the time. That's where you find Jesus. And we have made discipleship, I said this earlier, I'm going to say it again, about Jesus following us. And being a disciple is being willing to follow Jesus into the midst of human suffering and chaos. 
Being a disciple is being willing to suffer with those who are suffering and to hurt with those who are hurting. Being a disciple is not, well, I'm going to go pray for you. Even though you should be praying for them. But it's not, I'm going to go pray for you in my prayer closet this week. I'm going to write you down on my prayer list. And then come out and there's nothing that we can do about it. You won't see, like, how has that worked out for us? If we're just being honest. Like, how is that working out for us right now? Are we seeing our worlds transform? Because if we're not, then we're doing something wrong. The way that you can test and see if you're following Jesus is you can ask yourself, where are you found the most? Where are you found the most? Because disciples are found where Jesus is found. And Jesus is found in human brokenness and suffering. That's your test of discipleship. It's that do you love the people in your city, in your town, at your work that are broken and suffering and are you willing to get in the midst of it with them? That's the test. Jesus, when he got ready to test the disciples, you know the little headers in your Bible, it says this is what's happening here. It literally says Jesus tests the disciples. And he says, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to get extremely uncomfortable considering you've viewed God wrong for the past forever. Right? You have to be willing to do what I am calling you to do, to go to the places that I am calling you to go. When Jesus got ready to leave the earth, he didn't commission us to go into the prayer closet. He commissioned us to go into the world and make disciples. And do the same thing that he did. Right? And the reason... I'm going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> the re- I said I wasn't going to do it. The reason why that we have to place an emphasis on growing our church, and it is good for you to grow your church, but the reason why we want so many is because we can't handle a few. The reason why we want so many to come to our church is that we can't handle a few people. And if you can't handle a few people, you don't deserve many. If you can't get in a few people's mess, how in the world do you think you're going to get into 40 or 50 people's mess? You're not. One of our uh, pastor, he teaches something at our church to our leadership team. He's like, if you're not doing it, he teaches this because all of us want to work here one day. Right? <laughs> it's no secret. And he teaches this. He says, if you're not doing it when you're not getting paid, you're not going to do it when you do get paid. And I'm saying, if you won't disciple a few people, you can't disciple a lot of people. And God probably isn't letting you disciple a lot of people because you haven't done anything with the few that he sent you in the first place. You won't get in the midst of a few people's brokenness. There's no way that he's sending you a thousand people to get in their brokenness. You can't handle four. It's like, I, I love when, if you can't tell them to the point where it's just like... I'm just ready to do it, man. I'm ready to see our church flourish. I'm ready to see people get delivered. I'm ready to see people get healed. I'm ready to see marriages restored. I'm ready to see people's lives transformed. And I am so tired of begging people to get in the midst of human brokenness. I'm so tired of begging people to do that. I'm just I'm to the point where Jesus was. If you're not going to do it, get out of the way. Get out of the way. You're not my disciple. If you won't get in the midst of human brokenness with other people, you are not following Jesus because that's where Jesus is found. And as we grow as a church and as we develop our culture as a church, do you know what happens? You get more people that are broken. Therefore, you need more people who are whole to deal with those people. I think, a lot, I think, ooh, there we go. It's hot. Anyways, um, I think one of the reasons why we, especially in the Pentecost, my son crying. Hey, Beckham. Yeah. Anyways, it, I think one of the reasons why we want, I think one of the reasons why we want our churches to grow and be big in numbers. One reason is because we're super insecure. Uh, the other reason, the the other reason, 
is because it's easier just to pray for his presence to come. That's the Pentecostal cop-out for I don't want to disciple people. That's the Pentecostal cop-out. We're just going to pray until the presence of God comes, but when people come, we're not going to do any of that. That's the Pentecostal cop-out. You don't want to get it, we don't want to get in the midst of human brokenness because it costs us something. Being a disciple costs you something. I don't know when we stopped preaching that. It costs you your preference most of the time. Anybody who's in ministry knows that your preferences, might as well just take them and, and kick those out the door. You don't get preferences anymore. And at Hope Unlimited, we teach that every member of our church is called and committed. And we believe that every member of our church is a minister. We believe that we're a follower of Jesus if you're a member of the church. And if we want to get in the midst, if we want to follow Jesus and, and immerse ourselves into human brokenness and human suffering, there's a few things that we need to know. Right? Because I can tell you, let me tell you, I was actually telling somebody this story the other day. The first issue that I dealt with when I said, I want to follow Jesus and I want to do asking, I was like, why? And he's like, because that's plan B. And you said that you were going to follow me. I got a call the next day. I ripped it off my wall. I was like, yes, Lord, throw it in the trash. Right? I got a call the next day, and um, I got a job offer at a church. And the very first issue, I preach a sermon, and the very first issue, uh, a young man comes to me and says this. He sits down. He said, you said something tonight, and I need you to help me. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking, typical. Teenage boy, probably struggling with identity, probably struggling with some sexual things, right? Yeah, he went way off the deep end, right? He comes to me and he says, he says, I need you to help me navigate this situation. And I don't want to make light of this situation because it's terrible. I need you to help me navigate this situation. I have molested two of my family members. And I was sitting there, and I was like, did I sign up for this? That's what it means to get in human brokenness and suffering. We're either going to follow him and get in the midst of people. Do you, know how, do you know how embarrassing that must have been? Do you know how bad? He just weeping in my office. It's like, do you want to be my disciple or not? Are you willing to get in the midst of human brokenness and suffering, or are you not? Right? And so, as we are committed to being disciples and following Jesus and, and submerging ourselves in the midst of human brokenness and suffering, there's some things that we need to know. Right? I, I don't know a lot, but I do know a little, and I can, I can help you a little bit. And if you're taking notes this morning... I've got some things I just want to drop on you real quick, and then we're going to get out of here. If we want to follow Jesus into human suffering and brokenness, and I hope this one gets on your nerves the most, <laughs> intentionally. Because we have, we have purposefully rejected theological pursuit in church because we're lazy. Just say that. We have purposefully rejected that, or we don't want to dig deeper and understand. If you want to get in the midst of human suffering and brokenness, you need to see God rightly. You need to see God correctly. Because the way that you see God is the way that you bear the image of God. What you believe about God is what you reflect onto other, onto other people. I can tell you what you think about God by how you treat other people. It's not hard. It's not hard, right? It is, it's, it's very simple. Jesus is a lot better than you think he is. God is a lot better than you think he is, right? And so what we've done in the church is, this is what we've done. We've decided 
that we're not going to handle the Scripture faithfully. And so as a result of that now, we have people leaving the church by the thousands because they're asking questions that we can't answer. And I'm telling you, the answer is found in Jesus incarnated. If you can't find... it, Listen, if you have theology that can't be found in the life of Jesus, it is not good theology. If you have, listen, Jesus, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Jesus is what God has to say about himself. When, when the world and the craziness and the chaos of the Pharisees was going on, and they were having all these debates about God, God, John chapter 1 is one of my favorite texts in the Bible, and I read, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible, and I read something in there a few weeks ago, probably a few months ago now, and it has rocked me ever since I've, ever since I've read it, and I've read it a thousand times. John chapter 1 says this. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became... I'm just going to read it to you real quick. I'll just read it to you. I know this isn't typically the way and the structure that my sermons go, but I've been wrecked with this revelation, man. And I don't know how to get it out other than just get it out. Right? So, you know, I typically have... I do have some structure written down, but I have, so, I have more notes about this topic than probably any other topic that I've ever preached about. And I want to share all the notes with you, but we don't have time. Okay? So we literally don't have time, I promise you. John chapter 1. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture. And I want you to view this through the lens of John is rebuking the image of God that Moses made. I want you to read this through this lens. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. What we have primarily viewed that text is, is that when Jesus shows up with His light, darkness has to flee. That's not what He's saying. What he's saying is, is Jesus showed up and you couldn't comprehend that he was God because you still view God the way that Moses viewed God. And then, he, and then he goes on a tangent. He goes on a tangent, which I love. And then he says this. He said, insert God and his opinion into the text about himself. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we saw his glory as the only begotten from the Father, Father, full of grace and truth. For his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Listen to this. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were revealed in Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father. And then it has this little thing that we like to call a comma. And it says this, He explained Him. What John is trying to communicate to all of these people listening, primarily people who are Pharisees and have believed wrong ideas about God, is he's saying this. He's saying, if you want to know what God is like, He decided when we were talking about what he was like that he was just going to put himself in flesh and come dwell among us so that we could see him rightly. The word became flesh. What God had to say became flesh in Jesus. God's opinion about himself is not what Moses thought. It's not what Elijah thought. It's not, it's not what you get in the Old Testament. And we can get into what the Old Testament's purpose is for, but the opinion of God, Jesus would not have to come if we would have got it right. 
And so if you want to enter into the midst of human brokenness and suffering, you need to see Him rightly. If you want to enter into human suffering, suffering and broken, you need to know that He became flesh to dwell among your issues. He became a human being. Jesus came, became flesh to dwell in the midst of you and your brokenness. And we don't teach that. We teach prayer closet, get my fix, go manifest Jesus. And Jesus came to dwell among us so that we could see his glory. So that we could see who he really is. If we're going to get in the midst of human suffering and chaos, we've got to know that that is the way that God felt about us. When we were in the midst of our brokenness, when humanity was in the midst of its brokenness and its chaos, He just came and got with us. He just came and dwelt among us and said, this is what I have to say about myself. And when He started, and when he started living His life, you know, you can define a person by what they do. You ever, you ever heard the old phrase, Show me, don't tell me. Jesus was the most show me, don't tell me person. It's like, God gives, says he loves humanity. So he goes and gets among the most unlovable people in humanity. Jesus is what God has to say about himself. But also you have to understand this. What Jesus and what God has to say about you is seen in the text as well, is that when you are in your brokenness and you are in your suffering and you are in your pain and your struggle and your depression and your anxiety, He comes to dwell among you too. And He loves you and you're accepted and you're completely loved and you're completely secure in Jesus and loved in the Father. Right? And the reason why it's important to know that is because you can't be whole until you get that revelation. And if you want to take into the world, if you want to go heal the world around you, you have to be whole first. And so when Jesus said, I'm coming to dwell among them, he was saying, I'm coming into the midst of all of the issues that you've got going on. And if we want to follow Jesus, we've got to follow him right into the midst of the world out there and all of their issues that we have going on. And we have to say, you know what God has to say about you? The same thing that he said about me. And we've taught people even, we've taught people, we've, we've, I know for a fact that we've told young women who've had abortions that they're not welcome in the church. We've told, young, not this church, God, no, not this church. Pastor Casey would flip a lid. God, it would be bad. It would be real bad. We've told homosexuals and transgender people that they're not welcome. And we're willing to follow Jesus into the prayer closet and into church on Sunday. But if we're not willing to follow him into their brokenness, then we are not disciples. We have the answer. We have the answer. Jesus, the, the um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that God is in us reconciling the world back to himself. Except, in the charismatic world, the lesbian. Because we won't go get among them. And if we can't be found among them, you also can't be found among Jesus. Because Jesus is among them. The thieves, the robbers, the prostitutes. Go look who Jesus is found among in the Gospels. And that is who you will find yourself among if you are going to follow him. Because if you are following him, that's where he's going to be. Second thing that you need to know. I know I'm going a little long this morning, but we'll handle it. Second thing that you need to know this morning, if you want to be a disciple, if you want to follow Jesus, you need to know that following Jesus, being a disciple, gets messy. And we don't like that. 
because we think that we can just pray for the presence of God to come and that fixes everything. And we've done that a lot. And it does answer questions for people. And God does meet people in altars. And God does, and God's presence in His presence is the fullness of joy. Right? I believe that people need a touch from God. But when Jesus talks about discipleship, He doesn't pray for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit is in Him. And He is reflecting God's image onto the world. And we want to know how to fix messy situations. And we want to know how to deal with messy situations. We have to be okay with getting messy. Like people's... Let let me just... Just so everybody knows... People are not doing as well as you think they are. Always assume that. People are not doing as well as you think they might be doing. Social media is a lie. Right? It's crap. I have literally walked with people who their marriage was on the brinks, the most crazy situations that you could talk about, and they look like they are totally cool. Right? And unless I ask, I would have never known. Unless I got with them and walked with them, I would have assumed everything's okay. Thank God their marriage is better now. Thank God their marriage has been restored, but they sure wasn't telling nobody about it. I literally called one of my friends one day and I was on the phone with him and and I heard the Lord tell me to ask about this couple. And he says, if you would have called me an hour ago and asked me what you just asked me, I would have told you a different answer. Being a disciple is being next to the heart of the Father and immersing myself into the midst of human suffering. If I would have never been next to the heart of the Father, I don't know if I would have heard correctly to ask I don't know if I would have picked up the phone to call a lot of times what we have to understand is being led by the spirit is sometimes being led in ways we don't even understand being a disciple is being led to places and in ways that we may not fully grasp we may do things out of just natural flow that is God sending a message to somebody because we are in communion with him we are in Him, in us. Christ, the hope of glory, is the hope of the world. If we want to be disciples, we have to be willing to get messy with people, man. We have to be willing to do that. If you're not, you're not following Jesus. If you don't want to get messy, this rodeo ain't for you. <laughs> like that analogy. <laughs> rodeo. <laughs> if... We want to be disciples. And I'm going to end with this. Pastor Casey is getting ready to preach a message on the core values of this church, but I'm going to steal one of our core values from my sermon. You'll hear more about this and what this means to us as a church family in the weeks to come. But we need to know, if we are going to immerse ourselves into human suffering at chaos, that God happens at our tables and at our altars. We need to know that. I've seen more fruit from tables than I have altars. I really have. I'm not saying that the altar is not important because it is. It is. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is uh, when Jacob says, I'm going back to Bethel to build an altar to God because he remembered me in the day of my distress. I've got, new, I've got awesome news for you if you are going through a situation. Build an altar to God. Jacob built an altar of remembrance. And he reminded himself of the faithfulness of God. And God showed up and met him at that place where he was. When he saw that God had been with him the whole time in his life, even through all the tricks that he played on himself and the tricks that people played on him, to make his life worse. He had a revelation that God had been with him all of those days. 
And he built an altar to God. And God comes and meets him there in the place of remembrance. It's important. The altars are important. But we have relied so heavily on those. We have, we have said everything gets fixed in an altar. And that obviously, just from a quick observation, isn't true. That means that we can have an altar call right now. Everybody come down here and pray. And everything will be fixed when you leave. And that's not true. Sin issues can get fixed with one touch from Jesus, right? There are other things that you need to talk to somebody about. There are other things that you need to sit down at a table and talk about with somebody. There are things about God that we have believed that are not true that need to be discussed over a table. God happens at our tables and at our altars. I've had conversations with people even since moving to Knoxville about God sitting at tables and He show up and invade the conversation. And they just start to weep because they can feel His presence. We trust the altars, but we don't trust the table yet. And we've got to learn to put some trust in the table. We've got to quit being lazy disciples. We've got to quit being lazy in our discipleship. If we want to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to follow Him wherever He goes. And many times in the gospel, you'll see Him sitting down with people that church culture has told you not to sit down with. You'll see Him sitting amongst people that would create a conversation in Knoxville, did you see that man or that woman who attends Hope Unlimited sitting with that person? And if that's the case, I really don't give a rip. Just being honest. If sitting amongst people's brokenness always provokes Pharisees, it always gives the Pharisee an opportunity to say something. Right? And if I want to be found faithful in following Jesus, I need to be found faithful discipling the people that He is among. And I want us, as a church, to get to the place where we embrace the concept of being disciples. Being disciples. Being followers of Jesus. I'm going to read a quote to you. This whole sermon came out of this quote, by the way. I read this probably two months ago. It's uh, an author by the name of Rowan Williams. You need to all buy his books. This is not, I'm not getting paid. This isn't a paid ad. <laughs> Jensen, would you just come up and get on the keys? This is where all of these thoughts, and I have pages and pages of notes that I've ripped out. I was like, I don't need to share that yet. Here's what being disciples means. Rowan Williams puts it like this. Being where Jesus is means being in the company of people whose company Jesus seeks and keeps. Jesus chooses the company of the excluded, the wretched, the self-hating, the poor, the diseased. So that's where you're going to be found if you follow Jesus. If you're going to be where Jesus is, your discipleship must be a way of being. And you're going to find yourself in the same sort of human company that He is in. It is once again a reminder that our discipleship is not about choosing our company, but choosing the company of Jesus. Or rather, getting used to the fact that we have been chosen for the company of Jesus. Being a disciple means getting used to the fact that we have been selected to go invade human brokenness and suffering. Sounds fun.
being in the presence of God means being present where God is present. And He is present among the people that the church has taught that He is not present among. That's where you will find Him. You want to know where you can find Jesus? Go see what offends religious people. And then there they will be. There they will be. The lifestyles that people are disgusted with, that's where Jesus is. He's among them. Sitting at a table most of the time. Eating. that's where I want to be found at the table with Jesus the reason why that we get disgusted with people's lives is because we genuinely believe that God is disgusted with our life and the only reason that we reflect that onto other people is because we believe that's who God is and that's not who God is God's not disgusted with God's looked upon you already and said, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, and I am well pleased with them. And the reason why sin makes us sick to our stomach is because we think the life that they are living is disgusting. It has nothing to do with what it's doing to them. Sin should make you sick for the way that it affects people. I can preach a whole message on sin and hell and everything else that you want to talk about that you probably are sitting there, but what about this and that and this and that? When I have a but what about question, I immediately take it to the life of Jesus and see if Jesus ever said, but what about this? And most of the time, the Pharisee even still living in me a little bit has a tough time finding that he never said, but what about this? I don't want to be found among the people yelling at the world for the life that they're living because it doesn't line up with our priority lists in our Christian world. I want to be found among the people that are suffering. I want to be found among the young guy who knows that his life is over because he just committed a crime. I want to be found among the people who've committed abortions Who've, who you went and had an abortion. I want to be found among the people who are the most broken because that is where Jesus is. I don't want to be just another church or just another group of people who are attracting a lot of people and then disciple them in no way. It's not the kingdom. It's not the gospel. There are crowds. Yes, there are big crowds. And when there was a big crowd, Jesus dealt with all of their issues. They were all hungry, and he fed them all. Pastor Casey says it like this, how many perverts do you think were out there? How many Pharisees do you think were out there? How many homosexuals were out there? He didn't ask. He just told his disciples, take this bread and this fish and give it to them. We've got to be willing to roll our sleeves up and get messy with the world around us. I heard a mighty man of God say this, that God in His grace can be found rolling His sleeves up.
and getting in the midst of us. I will even take it a step further. God's judgment is him rolling his sleeves up and getting in the midst of us. Stand to your feet with me this morning. We good? Everybody good? Say amen if you're good. Good. Praise God. Like I said, I know that wasn't the most elegant three-point sermon that you've ever heard, and I didn't plan for it to be. I just this this word has just been exploding inside me. That if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to follow him into human suffering. The word became flesh and dwelt among us in our human suffering. And because he dwelt among us, now he commissioned us to dwell among them. That's been exploding inside me. And I hope this helped. You'll be able to go back and listen to it on the podcast or watch on YouTube. And uh, I do want to kind of give a little plug for something that we're starting at Hope Unlimited Church. We are starting a um, basically a YouTube series, podcast series, called Going Deeper with Pastor Casey. And uh, I know that we are a church that we love thinking here. We love being provoked to think and ask questions because when we ask questions, Jesus reveals himself to us. Questions aren't bad. They're good. And so... We are going to have a YouTube podcast thing with Pastor Casey, and it's simply going to be called Going Deeper. And we're going to take some of the truths that we pull out of the text every week and the sermons every week, and we're just going to dive off into those. And so we're going to go deeper. We want our church to understand what we're saying where we're coming from. We want people with questions to have those questions answered, and so that's what that's going to be for. But I encourage you. Start asking questions yourself. Start asking questions yourself. Be willing to get among people who are suffering. Ask yourself, am I following? Ask yourself that. And so I want to pray for you this morning, and then we are going to be dismissed. I want to pray for our church. Father, we just thank you this morning for your presence in this place. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for a group of people who are committed to following you into the midst of human suffering and chaos and brokenness. Father, we thank you this morning that you're going to give us grace to do this. Father, I pray that any lie that we believe about you, God, we just rebuke the devil that would implant any lies in our minds about you that aren't true. God, we want to see you rightly. Show us, Jesus. Show us the heart of the Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.